Hi there, my name is Zach. This is And I'm Ryan. This is Ryan. Yeah, uh we're doing a me. podcast. Welcome to the Complete Guide to Kaholant. And which is how I pronounce that word. Sure. Uh though I hear there are other pronunciations. Uh I need to well, continue. We'll get into that in this episode for sure. <laughs> we gotta talk about that. Um this is a podcast where we're gonna talk about map tile N sixteen. From the video game The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, N16 is the tile for this episode. Ryan, which tile is that? That's the tile that has the sleepy warriors at it, um, blocking the way into Yarna Desert. And when you get there, uh, you have to uh, find out that it's blocking the way. And then you find out that it wants to listen to Marin sing. Then you have to go over to talk to Marin and get her to come over to the walrus. And then the, she sings for the walrus and the walrus moves. It sounds really tedious, but it's actually kind of a fun side quest. Uh, it's the the part where you have Marin following you around is definitely fun. Yeah, it's yeah. rewarding. Like it's 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 a reward that's not like something you uh the game rewards you with cool experiences as opposed to like you got a better item like uh sometimes yeah that's that's this specific thing it's like you know you have to go do this task and it's kind of a weird fetch quest but in doing that weird fetch quest we're going to give you the opportunity to go have really cool interactions on in the world that you would normally normally have but that's not about tile n16 it's Zach. not from tile n16's perspective this is a garbage side quest. <laughs> uh, it kind of is because you have to go there and find out that it's blocked. And then it's not like a lot of the other locks in the game, actually, where they very specifically send you to the key first and then send you to the lock. Yeah, you have which... to go and see the walrus before anything happens that triggers the changes elsewhere in other tiles. Oh, wait. Wait, yeah. Um, but, like, that's... Isn't that weird? Like, they get you the tail key before you really go to the tail cave. They give you no, the anchor you can, key before you... You, you can walk you to the can. tail cave. You can. You totally, can, You can totally waltz over the tail cave. If you're just, like, in, in a non-exploratory playthrough, though, if you go to if you just do what the owl says he'll send you to go get the tail key and then he'll say guess what this goes to oh i see the tail cave if you're falling and you're okay i got you got you um angler's tunnel is really weird because the possibility of you going all the way out to the entrance to angler's tunnel of seeing that keyhole is really low so i feel like in I don't know if it's my first playthrough or, like, an old playthrough. I definitely have memory of getting really excited to go explore the mountains and then getting hosed mm -hmm. when I try and go any further because the waterfall's all... Before you use the angler key... This is not this tile. That's not but, this tile. But we're getting a little sidetracked. Uh, I feel like I definitely went up to the mountains first and got stuck there and then went and did other things. It, I, I, maybe those I other things... That... Yeah, go ahead. On an early playthrough, I did the same thing of going everywhere except where the owl told me to go, just so I could see what I could do. 
but and I, maybe this isn't the tile to talk about this. I yeah. really need to like. I've just discovered this right now, but I think it's very interesting that the game directs you to all these keys before it directs you to the keyholes because conventional game design wisdom, a lot of people would say that that's bad. But we'll do that. We'll talk about that when yeah. we get to a good place. Because In this here, case, it's not it's come not that. to the walrus. Yeah. He's there. I thought it was interesting that um, this is a town of animals that can talk. The walrus is nonverbal. It can only talk in speech bubbles with Marin's face in them. Which is a really, you gotta wonder what that sounds like. I guess. Makes you think. Makes you think. It does. It, that is weird. It's very much a, it's very, you know, a lot of video game, a lot of video game is the mm-hmm. where I'm going with this, is cartoon. Yes. A lot of video game logic and a lot of video game, the way it conveys information is very much based in cartoon, especially early stuff. It's all like yeah. when you're trying to make a little cartoon cat run across, when you're trying to make a little cat run across the screen or something, mm-hmm. like you go back to, you know, well, how did that go on TV when I was looking at a cartoon as a kid? Sure. And like a, a lot of early game stuff definitely is cartoon. And so it's very cartoon for this walrus to be just like with a, with a word bubble and then it's got Marin's face in it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's you know, it's sitting there next to Ziggy on the Sunday paper. I haven't seen a newspaper in person in probably like 10 years. So it's. <laughs> it, but like, this is also the tile where. Marin does a lot of talking. Yeah. I wonder if part of the reason, maybe it was a technical thing, like they could have had the walrus talk, but you can only store so much text to a tile. Or they just thought that since Marin would be doing talking, um, having a conversation with another character would be rough. I know that like in a different tile, when you talk to those two kids playing catch and they want to tell you about the moblins taking bow wow away um the it's impossible to understand what they're saying because the text delivery system doesn't have a way to distinguish between who's talking you know what i mean um yeah it's it's kind of a the delivery of it is weird and that might be technical limitations or that might be weird translation bits yeah, could be. Um, I would wonder. So we don't know. I we don't know why he speaks in pictograms, but he does. And it's cute, and it works. It is very adorable, well. and gives you like this like real obvious clue because it's like, oh, I've seen that face before. Mm-hmm. And then I think people in town tell you, but that whatever. Um, but that that clues you in, and then you go get Marin, and you do stuff with that, mm-hmm. and then you bring Marin back to this tile, and she does stuff. She sings. She sings. We find out one that song she the knows. ballad of the windfish wakes things up. Yeah. So that's foreshadowing. Then the animals show up and they demand that Marin stays in the animal village. Yeah. The note I have is a bunny comes over and Marin says, "Oh, he's calling me." And then she's like, "I guess I gotta stay," which is weird a little bit. And like, it's... I guess that's another case of like we know that the bunny can talk. Yeah. But in order to 
I think it's because the text styling is so limited. You only have so many characters per line that it just isn't practical to have two people talking at the same time. Yeah, when you get dialogue back and forth, you, there there really is no much, that much not that much dialogue back and forth in the game, huh? Hmm. Cuz you can't convey when like one person's lines end and one person's lines begin because all the text box would just be the same text box. Yeah. That makes sense. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think of other examples of that, but it's like because Link's a silent protagonist. And right. so Whenever you're just Link and you go up to some guy and there's a conversation taking place, the only options you ever get are like yes and no. Sure. Binary options like that. So, uh, yeah, that's a limitation, I think. The, what's cool about Marin is the animals want her to stay and sing to them. Uh, and she does. She goes out to hang with the animals for a while. She isn't in the same place through the whole game. She walks around and has her own thing going on all the way through the game. Yeah, she's one of not very many characters in the game that do that. That get to yeah. that show up different places, and it's not a matter of, like, she's in two places at once. It's like she actually is removed from the other spot. Yeah. She gets she gets um, kind of a lot of agency that way for... I'm trying to think, even especially in for Ocarina of yeah. Time... Is there anyone like that? I was I mean, going like, to say, especially for Zelda, that's kind of uncommon, early Zelda, because like, nobody in Link to the Past ever changes locations. Absolutely. Um, Ocarina of Time, you've got people that show up in cutscenes that move around. Uh, yeah. Like, Sheik shows up, but she's Sheik never has... Sheik doesn't really count, because she, she's not standing there. Yeah, it's only in a cutscene. But you have... Uh, Saria changes position. That's right. Kind of, but if you even count her original position, as... she's really more of a cutscene person. Yeah, you never walk up to talk to Saria, do you? Uh, you can, but every interaction with her that is necessary happens automatically. Like you walk up, and then it does automatically does a cutscene. I guess maybe an example, since this is an o- uh, Ocarina of Time podcast, apparently might be. Uh, Talon, who is in one place and then moves to another place. Well, Talon mirrors Terran, which is well, I want to talk about Terran when we run into him again because he's another character that has that kind of agency. That's true. Um, but yeah, not very typical for have these characters bouncing around. Yeah. Uh, that much, and I think that like that makes you care more about Marin. Yeah, she's got stuff she's doing, and she like there's a tile later on. I'm thinking about that really lends some agency to her like she's like i you know she has like an agenda a little bit Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that at some point else uh meanwhile we're back over here with the 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 walrus asleep like a snorlax it's what my notes say Uh uh uh-huh um who is woken up and then just jumps in the ocean like it's cool (laughs) like i was gonna do this anyways and from that point on, if you play the uh, Ballad of the Windfish on that tile, the walrus pokes his head out and he's like, yay. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really good. That's really good. Oh, man. It's pretty good. I no. think I'm not making that up. I No, it's, it's true. It's in the podcast. And this is the complete oh. guide. So oh, clearly yes. it's true. Um, Ballad of the Windfish, good song. We'll yeah. get into some other time probably because there's a lot of other more plot relevant 
places it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the phys- the other physical aspect to this place is it is literally the entrance to Yarna Desert, so half the tiles look like they're sandy. There's a path leading up to something else. You get a little bit of that. Can you see the pond from that tile? I guess not. Um, no, you wouldn't. I'm looking at. I a forgot map. to have a picture of the map pulled up, so I've got a map right here, map. but it doesn't have demarcations for the boundaries. So, um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a roadblock that sends you in some interesting places. It's one of the yeah. more interesting roadblocks to get around. Even if it is from the perspective of this, just this tile, very tedious because it's like, oh, I gotta go all the way over to the side of the map, then go all the way back, and then. So. Yep. Uh, this is a case where looking we've... at one piece of the whole, you miss the whole big picture. So. We've run out of things to say about this tile. It's true. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. On the next podcast, we're going to talk about. Uh, tile A3. Hmm. And we will see you next time. Bye.